Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. Okay, this is round two. This is hard for me. So I just want to ask again, thank you for those prayers. God, I thank you for this family. We're family. We're family. Sixteen years ago, we were in a little conference room, enough maybe for 20 to 40 people. And then God moved us to Chambers Street, enough for 75 occupancy. Then in 2015, God brought us here, enough for what, 275 persons. God's going to move us again. Harvest is ripe. And he wants us to be his laborers. And his kingdom will have no end. His kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. He's Lord, he's King. He's the beginning and he's the end. (laughs) I love what he's doing. I love seeing the children here. I remembered us prophesying for families to come in and, and some of you are waiting still. God is not over. It's not over. I'm going to talk a little bit about Zechariah. Zechariah, sorry. John the Baptist. So, Lord, help me. Thank you that you are still in the business of miracles, signs, and wonders. And there are some of your children here that are going to be encountered in a mighty way. Thank you. Oh, wow. You're expanding my... (laughs) Okay. I want to read this. Martin Luther famously said, All of a Christian's life is repentance. Repentance is not something we do to start the Christian life. Repentance is a posture towards God that we adopt at conversion and maintain the rest of our lives. Isn't that good news? So the mandate of our house, this house that God has entrusted us with, Life Center Church, when we started back in 06, was from this scripture, First Luke one uh, thirteen. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. He was a priest, and he was faithful, 
and he was doing the work of ministry. But God. You know, you could do the work of ministry for a long time. And you may not have this personal encounter with the living God. But you're being steadfast. You're being righteous in, in the way you're upholding your position as a priest. You're going before the Lord with purity of heart. But there's something void in Zacharias's life, and, and there, he and his wife are barren. So it, it kind of doesn't show God's um, fruitfulness in their lives if he doesn't have seed. And he's old. And I love when I'm reading this account how God does things in twos. He did it for the old and he did it for the young. Isn't that good? Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> Woo. So, let me read the scripture. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. You know, reading that, I wonder if he was struggling with joy and gladness. Maybe God knew he was being faithful to what he was called to, but maybe he didn't have joy and gladness. And I'm saying to you today, without righteousness, we will not have peace and joy. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Lady. Your son is filled with the Holy Spirit in your womb. Know that. But that's truth. His word says he formed and fashioned us in our mother's wombs. He speaks over us. He's got good plans for us. He did it when we were in our mother's wombs. We have to kind of go back there and we have to declare those things over us. Maybe things were unexpected like Mary. Pretty phenomenal. Things were unexpected too for Elizabeth. She was old. She didn't think she was going to have a son. But God. And I'm believing today, and God reminded me on the way here, he was speaking to me as we were in the car, and I'm overlooking the city, and it's just something like you say, on what perspective you're looking at the city. And the Lord was just reminding me about a prophecy that we had received as a family that we would be ones that would declare, prepare ye the way of the Lord. 
And the same way that Zacharias was being encountered over 2,000 years ago, God is saying today, prepare ye the way of the Lord. He's coming back a second time. His manifest presence is coming again. And he's coming back for a bride without spot and without blemish. And he wants us to prepare. And so he's asking me to be a messenger of this because it's the word of the Lord for the times that we're living in. Repentance is very key to walking in righteousness. They go hand in hand. And it goes on to say, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. So he's turning them, turning them from idol worship. He's, he's turning them from the ways of this world, the pride of life. He's turning them to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the heart of the father to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the people to be prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. God is a carrier of good news. And isn't it sad when we don't believe the good news? Some of us don't believe it. That's why we will still continue to walk in sin. don't believe the gift of God, the gift of salvation that was given to us. Just don't believe it. And unfortunately, just by Gabriel sharing, um, not Zacharias sharing those words with, with uh, Gabriel, being honest, but behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. Whew. This is like sobering. So he leaves and I was reading some commentaries on that and they said maybe he became mute so that he wouldn't do the work of the priesthood and therefore he would be home with his wife and during that whole time, yada, 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 all these things. But I still believe what the word says all right here. He didn't believe and therefore God shut his mouth for a while. And you know, God called me, who's spoken over my life to prophesy and be a prophet, and I say this very humbly, it scares me. It scares me when I come up here. It scares me when I prophesy because I have the fear of the Lord on my life. I, I, I say this humbly. I, I don't like to go around. And I said this at the first service. If anyone is calling themselves a prophet and they're not humble, I encourage you to flee. 
I'm not kidding. Jesus, God, walked in full humility. And if someone comes parading themselves and giving themselves all these accolades, flee. I'm telling you. It's not the time for that. And, and the word of God says there'll be many false things happening. We need discernment. And I'm saying this to you as a mother in the house, as someone who has been walking with the Lord, with the fear of the Lord on my life. I take this very seriously. So I want to move on, and I want to read Luke 1.50. So here's Elizabeth. She's pregnant supernaturally. You know, she's an older woman. She kind of feels like this is never going to happen for her and Zacharias. Mind you, she's dealing with a mute husband now on top of it. I mean, I'd like to see that whole scenario. But he's staying quiet for those nine months. Sometimes, as a, a prophetic person, we need to stay quiet so that we could hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And, you know, we, we are a prophetic house, so we believe in equipping the saints. And it says, out of all the gifts, to prophesy. But sometimes being quiet is the greatest tool in order to learn to hear the voice of the Lord, okay? You don't have to be so quick to speak. So Mary now comes, and I love this, because I said we're a family, right? And God does things in twos. He just does things. Two by two, you know? He just, he likes to do things in twos. It's confirmation. And he used this family. He just zoned right in on this family, young and old. And he says, I'm going to manifest myself to this family. I'm going to dwell among them. I'm going to allow them to be part of history, his story. And so in Luke 1.50, Mary is with child. And she's with Elizabeth. And she begins to sing this song. I loved watching The Chosen. Oh. And I don't know how many of you saw this when, when uh, Mary was, you know, when John is trying to write down the song of what Mary said, you know, when he's journaling. Did you see that in Chosen? Well, anyway, in, so in 50, it says, and his, she writes, I'm going to read what she says. It's worthy of saying. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Isn't that beautiful? She's, she's with child. She's holding this miracle birth, and she's declaring over her life, my soul magnifies the Lord. Body 
mind, spirit, everything about her. My soul magnifies the Lord. She's saying, I fully surrender to who is within me. So us too, we live and move and have our being in Christ Jesus. We must surrender to who is in us. Our whole being, not just part of it, the whole being. Then um, she goes on to say, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. She's being humble. Being humble. She's not saying, wow, look at me. I'm going to have this miracle birth. She's not parading around. That's not her attitude. Again, pride is ugly. It's of the devil. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to to generation. That is our inheritance. The mercy of God. The mercy. There are new mercies for each one of us every morning to walk in righteousness, to be set free from unrighteous behavior, to be set free from besetting sins, things that are separating us from the true communion of oneness with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Receive that mercy today. She is, she's speaking this over her life, but not only over her life, over those who will believe in God, the Savior. So, in... Um, Luke 175, it goes on to say, now Zacharias, when he agrees with the word of the Lord and he writes, his name is John, his mouth is opened. And when we agree with the word of the Lord over our lives, revelation comes to us. It's a gift of God. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the spirit of the living God has revealed this to you. So this is our inheritance as children of God. We get to receive revelation for our very own lives. And a place that I get challenged at, walking with the Lord, is fear, fear of man, um, fear of communicating the word of the Lord. Uh, I, I struggle with this. And when I, when I yield to the fear, I honestly feel like my mouth has been muzzled. I, 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 I feel like I've been shut up. But the moment I, I submit, to what God has said about me and about my life in, in humility and with the fear of the Lord. He wants me to speak. He, he doesn't want it for myself. He, he wants it to be heard. 
And I, I said to Tammy, um, Tammy had asked me two weeks ago, do you want to share? And I says, yeah, I, I feel like I have this word in me. And, and I was reading Luke 1, and, and it had to do with this Zacharias and, and uh, the encounters and about repentance and righteousness. And this weekend, um, Lou Engel was having a conference in Colorado, the 222 conference, and I, I was watching it. I don't know if any of you have seen it, right? some of you, right? And Lou is truly a prophet to the nations. I don't even say nations, to the nations. He's like John the Baptist. Uh, honestly, I, I, I say this with all humility, and I'm sure if he was here, he'd say, yeah, he, yeah no, I'm not John. He's like very humble. Like he's not that way, but he's truly a father. He's a father, and he's believing the hearts of the fathers to restore to the children, the children's hearts to restore. This is the message that God gave us, and we have embraced it. And as the flock is growing, it's that much weightier. You know, it's serious. It's we, it, we, Because the time is coming that Jesus is coming back for a bride without spot and blemish. I shared earlier, it's like when you're preparing for a wedding. You might know a year in advance, oh, I'm getting married, you know, a year in advance. But when that week comes or that year comes, you know, that, that when you're close to that time, every, all the preparations got to be right. And I was saying like how my daughters had their wedding dresses hung and we, ha we got it just a few days because, God forbid, there would be a stain or a wrinkle or a, a mark on that dress. Like, it was very important. And the scripture says that, like, we would be without spot, without blemish, the bride of Christ. It's very important to God the Father that when he receives his bride of Christ, that she's without spot and without blemish. Now, the way we have access to that is through us being clothed in his righteousness. This is a free gift that has been given to us when we receive Jesus and the work of the cross. It was given to us. We've been clothed. We have entrance into him. He, we're in right standing with him because of the full price that he paid for us. However, Jesus... And let's go to John 17. Before he, he goes to the cross, he has these words with his father. I shared earlier, I could stay in John 17 without moving. And just, I, I just feel like I want every spoken word, every word that has been written here, like just thinking about every emotion Jesus was feeling when he was crying out to the Father on our behalf. So initially, Jesus is talking about he's praying for himself. Glorify your son, and your son may also glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, 
that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Always submitting to the Father. Like he's, look at this prayer. Jesus is submitting right to the Father to do the will of the Father. But this is the hardest time of his life. He is dealing with a lot. We don't know, not even this much of what he dealt with. He took on the sin of the world. Jesus took on the sin of the world. Every dark, disgusting thing, he took it on. That is the greatest love of all. That's why I said sometimes you just got to sit there and hang out with God and let it soak in what he did. Because when we receive that type of love, we're not going to want to walk in darkness. Because he paid the price to set us free. I can't cry because then I can't read. All right. So he goes on to say, when it was moved down, he's now praying for his disciples. So patient, so kind, so forgiving. Think about him in this place, in this garden, and I'm going to uh, jump down to 1714. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. <laughs> Wouldn't that be easier? Do you know that I do that sometimes? No, I do. I, 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 I kind of say, uh, yeah, I just can't wait to go to the by and by. Like, I don't want to deal with stuff. I, I, I don't want to deal with certain things that I've walked through, and then I'm like, oh, God, it's gonna, here it comes again. I'm like, oh, I don't want to go there. I, I just want, yes, Lord, you're coming. You're coming. You know, just hanging out there. I like it. Peaceful. <laughs> He's dealing with my heart. It's not time for him to take me out of the world. It's time for me to speak the truth, despite the fear of man and things like that. piercing my heart in this area because it's a little bit easier to just say, yeah, I'm going to hide in the cave. I know what's coming down the road, but I'm not going to say anything. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Woe to me. No, it, it's true. Because there's a disconnect, not doing the will of the Father, right? We, we could all disconnect. It, it's very easy. You know, we, we have a little comfort. You're like, I just want to stay comfortable. I, I don't want to go through that hardship again. I don't want to go through that persecution. I don't want to go. I don't want to go there, God. I, I, I've been through it already. I'm, 
I'm going to be 60 eventually. Like, you know, like I, uh, 30 years, you know, let the young people deal with that. I, I don't, I, this is the dialogue I have. <laughs> I'm thinking about Zacharias. Thinking about what he did. He made him a little uncomfortable. So Jesus goes on to say, you should, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. <laughs> so any of you who are wishing that you would be in heaven now, that's not his prayer for you. But that you should keep them from the evil one. See, he wants to make evidence through you, Christians, little Christs, that he is the great I am. We can overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony in us. He wants to exemplify himself in us, through us, with us, all over. He just wants him popping up everywhere. So we have to allow the sanctification of this. 111, oh boy. We might go over. Is that okay? Is that okay? All right. And for their sake, I sanctify myself. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> Jesus without sin. He says, for their sake, I sanctify myself. Because he took on all the sin. So he's identifying with every sinner. He's like, I'm going to take it on me. And I'm going to allow for this ripping of my flesh. All of it, the true blood sacrifice, every drop of it being poured out so that they may be sanctified by the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, if we're not sanctified by the truth, who's going to believe our message? And the last thing I want to see is hypocrisy. God doesn't want to see it either. He hates it, okay? So we're, we're coming down to the wire. You know, like, I, 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 when I read the scriptures and it says, like, they were waiting for Jesus' second coming, you know, like within weeks after he was up in heaven. You know, they were waiting for him to come. And here we are 2,000-something years later, and we're waiting. So we're that much closer to his coming. And the word of God, you know, I remember when I first got saved 30 years ago when they would say, like, his word would go throughout all the earth and things like that. Well, I was like, okay, uh, I don't know if that's really happening. And I, I don't know about all the 1040 windows and the unreached people groups. I'm not there. I don't know. I just don't know. I'm not a missionary. But for all of you who are missionaries, you, you do know what's going on. But the word of God is going out. It's going out. Okay, and it's that much more than it was 2,000 years ago. So I have to believe that his coming is that much closer. And people get ready. Jesus is coming. That, that's the bottom line. Jesus is coming, and we need to get ready. We are his bride. So <clears throat> what is um, true repentance? Uh, let me see. Okay, what is the proof of some true repentance? 
A truly repentant person will realize they need God to sanctify their heart. They'll proactively work to change their behavior and take steps to avoid sin and temptation. And that may mean sometimes seeing a counselor, going to rehab, asking friends, pastors, even law enforcement to give them oversight and hold them accountable. We need to be accountable as believers. We need to have a trusted friend that we can confide in, a trusted partner that we can truly feel comfortable with and confess our sins one unto another so that we can be restored, we can be corrected, Okay, because the word of God says, I'm going to hop around, um, in 2 Timothy 2, 25, 26 says, he must correct those who are in opposition. People will be in opposition to what the word says because they prefer their sin or whatever they like doing or whatever behavior with courtesy and gentleness in the hope that God may grant that they will repent and be led to the knowledge of the truth, accurately understanding and welcoming it, and that they may come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. That's a heavy 2 Timothy 2, 25, 26. So when we're entertaining sin, we're doing the devil's will. We're out of fellowship with a holy God. That, it's the bottom line. I don't care what you tell me. The word of God says, this is, again, being written to Christians. This is not being written to unbelievers. Okay, this is, these are people who are believers. So there's correction that's needed. There's sin in the camp. There's uh, uh, lifestyles. There's, there's things that are going on that are, that are ungodly, that are not good. And God wants us to represent him well. His blood is costly. We're not to allow the grace of God to be so familiar that it would breed contempt. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like sometimes we get very wishy-washy. We're like, oh, grace of God, he forgives me. Grace of God, I'm going to let it go. You know, and, but there's not genuine repentance. We need to cry out. We're priests. We, we need to cry out for those that may not know. But I, I'm speaking to us right now. You know, it, and, you know, watching the conference this weekend, I was encouraged by God that I, I felt like God was confirming to me. Juliana, you're hearing the word of the Lord. Because everything I was kind of putting together was they were saying. Thank you. I mean, we've had Chris Berglund here, and I love Chris, and I, I'm very humbled that this man enjoyed staying in my basement. He's a prophet of the Lord. I, 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 it's like me having John the Baptist in my house. Like, it, it really is. It's, I, I take this very humbly, you know. It's, 
It's holy. There are people that walk very humbly before God, and they're, they're, they're really trying to hear his pulse for the nation. And God has allowed us to be exposed to people like this. We, we're not, I'm no one. I got saved 30 years ago here on Wall Street. And to think that God would allow me to speak here on Wall Street in this area. And things that God set me free. And one of the things the Lord set me free was from the pride of life. The spirit of the age. If any of you need deliverance from that. I honestly, I'm going to ask you to stand up if, if you're bold enough to say, you know, I'm struggling with the pride of life and the spirit of the age. You will be delivered in Jesus' name. You will be delivered. He delivered me and is continuing to deliver me because it's a process. And sometimes the pride of life just creeps in. It's subtle. And God says, I always want you to trust me. And any time you think that you've arrived, you haven't. You just haven't. And sometimes we think, well, if I have this, 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 all these pegs in order, you know, if I, as long as I have all of this in order, everything will be fine. And my husband and I are going through one of, one of the times of like a testing time, a financial testing time. And, but God has provided. And he says, you know, Jules, sometimes you, you still, back then, 30 years ago, mind you, I'm saved 30 years. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I, and I, I say this about myself. I've never begged for bread. I've always had more than enough. God has provided supernaturally. You know, Justin, when you were sharing about the offering, about, you know, like, I, I felt like I needed to share this. God will provide. And when you have a heart that you want to do right by him, I loved what Justin shared. Just bring him in. Ask him. But ultimately, naked we came into the world, and naked you're going out. I'm just telling you, no checkbooks, no houses, nothing's going with you. It all belongs to him. So some of us are really holding on to our stuff. Oh, Lord, I'm saying this. I can't even imagine what, how you'll be dialoguing with me now. But... God wants us to hold things loosely because it all belongs to him. Okay? I, again, I'm saying this with the fear of the Lord. But I know that I know that he, he set me free. He gave me a course correction when I got saved. I was full of myself. And yet he was, he was little by little by reading his word and spending time with him. I knew I, I needed a transformation to be more like him. And things were tested in my life for me to realize how much I need him. I shared in the earlier service, this is a minor, but my, my husband and I, when we dialogue sometimes, 
my tone, and Sal correct, let everyone know this is not all the time, but my tone on certain times of correction or dialogue, you know, husband, wives interacting. I'm Italian, there's some Barilla commercials that can understand what goes on. But anyway, um, I can, my tone could really be a thorn in my husband, like he. <laughs> so I, I, I have asked God in all humility, <laughs> oh my goodness, um, to help me with my tone. You know, my, my tone is an issue for my husband. It, it really is. Um, either God helps his pitch levels of how he hears me, or, or I have to practice being gentle, kind. Okay, I'm going to read Galatians 5, 16, 25. Walk in the spirit. We're going to preach. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Dead. 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 No, it's dead. It's dead. We must crucify, right? The scripture says crucify the flesh. What? Once when you receive Jesus. What's it say? Okay, that needs to be put into practice. We need to say, Holy Spirit, help me to crucify my flesh. Because it's too alive and it needs to die. I no longer live, but the Spirit of Christ in me needs to be exalted. Not me, not Juliana. I know people see me, but it's, it needs to die. You know, I had a little bit of a weight loss journey. I know you know people come to me. How'd you lose your weight? Well, I had gotten a, a, a doctor's report back in, in April that I, I was almost pre-diabetic. Well, the fear of the Lord came on me. I'm like, I'm not going here. Like, no, 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 no. This is not happening. I, I can't go here, God. Please, please help me. So I was ready to do shots, all this stuff. My children like, Mommy, please try this. It works for so-and-so. Okay, I did it. The weight came off. But I want something the Lord said to me. And I said, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do it, whatever it is. So I was following this plan, and I had to say no. No. N-O. There's no other way. No. To certain things. From my body, they were just not cut. That's it. It's just no. So I'm not telling you what you should eat and drink and things like that. I'm not telling you. I'm just speaking about my own life. But I knew that I had to apprehend the word no. We could say no. Some of you need to say no. And so we have to be able to say, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. 
your, your wants is over. Your rights is over. It's just over. It's over. Guys, it's over. I mean, if you call yourself a Christian, it's not about what you want. And some of us just want the blessing of the Lord over what we want. And it's not that way. It just doesn't work. Jesus didn't walk that way. Read John 17. Hang out with Jesus for John 17. I'm telling you, he's going to convince you. You will be in true fellowship with him. True communion with him. So then it goes on to say, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. See, all that yucky stuff starts to come off of you because now you're walking in the spirit. So it's a little bit easier to not attach itself to you because your heart motive is right with God. Your heart motive is I don't want to fall into sin. I don't want that anymore in my life. That's your confession every day. I don't want this part of me anymore. You have to renounce it. You have to say, cut it off, God. Do whatever you got to do. I don't want to partner with it. And so it goes on to say the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Today's world. That's it. Nothing new under the sun. 2,000 years ago, same today. Nothing new under the sun. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Not happening. I know it's a hard word. But Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. He died for the whole world. Jesus also said, be far from me for I never knew you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So when we read Galatians 5, 16 through 25, and you go back to John 17, think about Jesus praying. Father, I pray that you sanctify them by the truth. Father, I pray that you, that you keep them from the evil one. See, he's your advocate. The moment you embrace this as truth for your word, Jesus is up in heaven as you're meditating on this, and he's advocating for you. She's getting it. She's getting it. Okay, she could do this through Christ, through the Holy Spirit. She can be an overcomer through my blood, through the word of her testimony. It, it can happen. It can happen. So I would like to give out uh, communion.
importance of communion. And, and the Lord had said to me, what is our responsibility as believers in helping our brothers and sisters to walk in the spirit? And he said to me, it's the three C's, confession, correction, communion. So if we allow confession to take place first to God the Father, confess our sins, yes, be faithful to deliver us, then we may need to confess our sins one unto another. And the reason for doing this, the reason why we do this, when we, we, when we confess our sins one unto another, you know what happens? It breaks the hold that Satan has over you. Because the reason why you may not want to confess it one unto another is you're fearful of what people will think of you. The bottom line, you're afraid of what your perception of what people are going to feel about you. And the Lord wants to deliver you from that. We have to walk in authenticity. We have to be vulnerable with one another. We, we can't mask it. We can't say, praise the Lord, everything is wonderful. Like, no, it's not. No, it's not. You know, Tammy and I have many conversations, and we, we genuinely tr repent to each other. Like, we'll, we'll say... You know, sometimes spouse, we love our husband. We've been together a long time. But, you know, but even with our children, right? Right? You know, we have children. So we have experienced things as all these years in relationship, walking with children, right? So if you, you know, if you're single, you're walking with your friends who are single and you go through relationships and maybe you're talking about work relationships. Maybe you're talking about family relationships. You're, you're talking about... So when, you, when you're in covenant with one another, you, you feel this trust, you know? And, and that's, you know, Jesus wants to be in covenant with us. He wants you to trust him. But also, he said, Jesus said something so beautifully. He says, when we believe his message, when we're sanctified by the truth, the world will believe. Because they'll see the witness of unity. They'll see the witness of what love looks like. But the world is not going to believe when there's hypocrisy in the camp. It's n the world is not coming in here. It's not because they're going to say, you're a bunch of liars. Look at you. You're filthy rags. And it's true. There's scandals happening. It's very humbling and piercing. And God forgive us all. There but for the grace of God go I. I stand here. And I don't want to judge anyone, but there are things that have taken place that are horrific and should never be. And spiritual abuse is horrible. And, you know, I'm not going to focus on that at the moment, but I'm just saying, I'm talking to the house of believers. I know you all know. I don't have to say it. You know what I mean? We're living in a generation of, of um, communication, and sometimes we need to put it away, too. 
and, and stop meditating on it. Because that stuff went on in the word of God. But we pray that no one would fall away. That's Jesus' heart, that he would keep all from the evil one. And therefore, we need communion. There's something very divine and supernatural about partaking in communion. I love that Papa Lou is saying, the great communion revival. I believe in it. I got saved because of communion. It was the communion meal that, that allowed tears to come down my eyes when I first got saved. There was something, a repentance in my heart. I, I didn't even know, but God was wooing me to his broken body. God was wooing me to the blood that was shed. This is the greatest love of all. There's no other love like the love of Christ, what he exemplified on the cross, what he did for us. And we need to sit there, and we need to take that in. Don't ever rush it. But also know the elements, the, the, the being conscious, going after it, spending time with God alone, saying, Lord, I want your deliverance. I want you to heal my body. I want to be set free from this besetting sin. God could do it. I want to be set free from unbelief. I want to be set free from fear of man. I want to be set free from worry, from doubting you. I, I want to be set free, like examine yourself. And there's a song by Stephanie Gretzinger that's knowing you. And if you could play that. And I, I, before you play it, I just want to read this. The power of communion is that it takes us back to the first time we met Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior. It restores and reminds us in our hearts, minds, and body that he lives, he moves, and has his being in us. He paid the price in full for our sinful past, present, and future. He is our great deliverer. He is our healer. This divine connection with Jesus heals us supernaturally, whether physically, emotionally, or spiritually. His body broken and bled demonstrated on the cross was the ultimate sacrifice for our sins so that the spirit of death must pass over our lives and we would live in the promised land here on earth, set free from unrighteous behavior and clothed with his righteousness just like in the garden. His resurrection life gives us the ability to demonstrate love that hopes all things, believes all things, and endures through all things. This love will never fail. This love, this communion, this act of sitting with him, receiving his body and blood will never fail on your behalf. It will never fail. There is a supernatural grace. This is divine. And we have access to this every day because we call ourselves believers. 
We've been baptized. But I pray that you will continually run after the sanctification process. It will be lifelong. You will never have arrived. The moment you think you've arrived, get ready. You'll be tempted. No, it, it just, because it's, we're in, we're in the tent. Until I, I'm seated with him, like physically, their body. Thank God he gives me a new body in heaven because we won't be able to handle his glory. We'll blow up. No, we will. No, we will. Any of you who've encountered the fire of God knows how hot it gets here. I can't imagine there. He's fire. He purifies. And the purification process is beautiful. Gold and silver and precious stones. He's burning up all the wood, the hay, the shaft, all of it. He's getting rid of it. Embrace it. Run towards it. Say, I want to be set free. I want to be set free. Don't hold on to it anymore. If any of you are holding on to anything, please stand. <laughs> That's so now as this song is being played, maybe it's time, like Sal said in the beginning of the service, to let it go and to give it to Jesus and to ask him to help you. Oh. All I want, help dear, build my life upon all this world reveals and was to own all I once I gain. I have counted lives spent and worthless now. Compared to Oh my. 
exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it's so centrally important. I received my instructions from the Master himself and passed them on to you. The Master Jesus on the night of his betrayal took bread. Having given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this to remember me. And after supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This is my cup of blood, my new covenant with you. He's a covenant-keeping God. He is faithful. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the master. You will be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. That is the message translation, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 25. Take this as a gift. Daily. God wants to heal sickness. God wants to deliver people from sin. God wants to restore marriages, businesses. God wants to do beautiful things in you that he would be glorified. He is a covenant-keeping God. Take this. This is a gift that he's given us. So, Father, we thank you for your body that's been broken. Take and eat. In Jesus' name. Receive.
receive his healing virtue. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the blood that was shed, for the forgiveness of our sins, past, present, and future. Deliver us from all evil. Sanctify us with truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Service is ended. If you would like prayer, the worship team, will, the prayer ministry team will be up here. Please come up. We look forward to seeing you throughout the week. Blessings, everyone. Love you. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at LifeCenterChurchNYC.